0: And the other thing? Ready?
1: And the other thing? Yeah. And the other thing? <laughs> and the other thing. <laughs> and the other, okay, um, what was the other thing?
0: We have gotten so many comments on our discussion from last week of why is the sky blue?
1: Why is the sky blue?
0: Because it's your favorite color. No. <laughs> because it's my favorite color?
1: Yes, I control the sky.
0: <laughs> but they absolutely love that.
1: You know... Uh, <clears throat> I don't want anyone to think that that's actually what what I'm saying. The sky is not blue because I like blue.
0: Why is it blue?
1: When I was little, I used to think, the sky is blue because my eyes are blue, and it just looks blue to me.
0: (laughs) That's pretty. That's kind of smart.
1: It's interesting, though, that people do have favorite colors. Mm -hmm. And uh, I ran into a little contentious thing last week. And I, uh, I, don't, I don't like to offend people. I don't like to hurt feelings because I care about people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But in this one case, I'm going to make an exception because not all people are people.
0: <laughs>
1: some people are people, but some look like people are actually androids. Oh. And I hurt uh, R-51's feelings. Uh-uh. Now, Did R-51 really? is a copy of the original...
2: <laughs>
1: and and he thinks he's in He said so, you know boy every copy we got better yeah yeah
0: and then he hmm, yeah
1: so he thought I should have asked him why is this guy blue
0: well
1: and I kind of but you know <laughs> so he's been working on it and I, I know we've got a lot to discuss. But would it be okay if we took just a minute make him feel a little better? You know, he's trapped over there in that area called Area 51, where he does his research. So uh, I thought maybe we could just go over for a minute and say (laughs) hi to R51. So, (laughs) why are there so many different favorite colors? It's their personalities. Different people have different personalities. For example, uh, Paget has a favorite color. Do you know what it is? Yeah. (laughs) It's neon pink. (laughs) Why are you wearing that pink heart? This is the project I'm working on. (laughs) Kids were asking, why is the sky blue? But I was thinking... Paget would like it better if the sky was neon pink. <laughs> so I'm doing my project to make the sky neon pink for Paget. She would be so oh, happy. Oh, brother.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm having some progress. I got a little bit of pink. I'll show you. Look. Can you see the pink sky? <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Now it's not the whole sky yet, but I'm working on it. The the problem is, the buildings keep getting in the way. Look at the buildings, (laughs) the pink is so pretty, but the buildings are in the way. Thank you, R. We (laughs) really are happy to hear your projects moving right along. (laughs) Pink sky?
0: How did he know? (laughs)
1: How does he know? How
0: does he know? (laughs) Speaking of that.
1: Of how he knows? Well, not
0: exactly okay. how he knows, but um, we have some comments coming <clears throat> in and questions about the brain. From them? From, from them.
1: From them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like there's people out
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's kind of intimidating. What are they saying? <laughs> so this one's from, this girl's from South Carolina. John I mm. hear a question? Yeah. Okay. hmm First of all, she says, "It's crazy how What's you." Her, name? her name is Gina. Gina. Okay. Gina? Hi, Gina. From South Carolina. Thank you. It's crazy how you can come up with different things every week, all related to science. Can you film one on the science of the human brain? You know, we had a lot of kids ask that this week. Why? I don't know. I was wondering that <laughs> too. Maybe you could tell us.
1: The science of the human brain. Yeah. Could I have some time to think about it?
0: Now use your brain for that, huh? Yeah.
1: Wow. The human brain.
0: Yeah.
1: That's a tough one. It
0: is.
1: The science of the human brain. You know, there's probably not hardly anything that we know about that we know less about than the human <laughs> brain.
0: That's really true. The, isn't the
1: it? real science of the human brain, the way it works is really fascinating. Scientists have studied and studied and studied the human brain. And they've looked inside, and they found that there are a special type of cell, in fact, about 65 to 85 billion of these cells inside the brain. We call them neurons. Uh, Let's just take a look at what a neuron looks like. Can we do that? Oh, there's a brain. I think that's a good. brain, mm-hmm. and then you can see the neuron on the left. And so it's this interesting cell that has these different connection points, and it receives a signal, an electrical signal, and transmits a signal. And there are different paths through the brains of these different neurons. Let's take a, Im- a look at this image. It's a little bit more complicated you see all of those little fingers going out those are different paths through which the electrical signal can travel now we can see that happening all over in the brain these signals are going around and around and around through paths in the brain and the question is how does that make us think how does that give us the power to be able to have thoughts to be able to have memories, to be able to remember things. Some people have noticed the similar thoughts seem to go through a similar path. And so they try to figure out a way to explain why that path the electric pulse follows as a memory, but it doesn't really make sense. (laughs) When we think about our memories, sometimes they're in great imagery and detail. Sometimes we have a smell that reminds us of a certain memory. Mm -hmm. And it's not only of an image, but it's a sequence of images, like a video. And these neuron cells don't really explain that, at least not to the extent we understand them. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I don't think science has really figured this out yet. We can't really explain how it works. Um, I have a hypothesis.
0: Love to hear it. And it's
1: a hypothesis that a lot of scientists share, uh, even though it's it's not provable. But it seems like there's something more that we're missing. And, and some people call it a an intelligence. Mm-hmm. There is a another level of, of knowledge and understanding that somehow interfaces with the brain. And that's my hypothesis. I think the brain is how the real us, the very essence, the personality, the core of us, I think it's how it connects with our human body. Of course, people are gonna say, well, well, where is it? Where is this thing? Some people call it a soul. (laughs) Some people think a soul's just a type of music, but, (laughs) Whatever it is, there's something there, and it seems to be able to hold memories and things that uh, are very, very unique. Now, uh, I, I'm not telling you the consensus of science because I, I really think science doesn't have a consensus, and it depends on who you ask. But to me, there is something very special about each person. And that kind of quickly gets us into a discussion of, Something uh, really interesting, and that's the new uh, Chat GPT, the artificial intelligence machines that are coming onto the horizon of this past couple years and that are completely changing our world. More and more and more people agree this is the most significant technological step or change in, in recent history. And so when there's something really big happening, I like to be in on the ground floor. How about you? I like to know about it. I like to figure out how to utilize it. I want to know whether or not to be afraid of it. A lot of people are afraid of artificial intelligence. Uh, A lot of people are afraid of weapons and different things, and they can do harm. But artificial intelligence is here. We, we speculated for a long time it was gonna come, and now, now it's here, and it's extremely powerful. And what is it? Well, there's a deep learning model that these new super powerful computers have gone through. And what is that learning? I remember seeing a really cute movie about a robot years ago, and this little robot in the movie, had kind of a personality, and he kept saying, I need input, I need <laughs> input. He wanted to learn. Mm-hmm. Well, these new artificial intelligence computers have absorbed the whole internet. Uh-huh. They've gone out and read every site that they can find and, and pulled all the information on them and stored it off. So they have this huge amount of information that is put everywhere. And now it can pull all of that information out and and do amazing things with it. Some people are really afraid that it's gonna ruin education because now a student will just say, okay, I've got a writing assignment for history. Uh, Artificial intelligence computer, write my essay. And and there it is. And they're saying, so that's gonna ruin education. And I'm saying, no, no, wait just a minute. Or is it? Mm. Maybe what it's going to do is it's going to force teachers and educators to rethink what we're teaching. If what we're so passionate about teaching kids to do is the same thing that some random computer can do, well, then maybe we better rethink what we're teaching them. Interesting. And that's where it gets real interesting to me. I've, I've been talking to these AI computers quite a bit. <laughs> Some people say, ooh, what does that mean? <laughs> it, means, it means something big and new is happening and I wanna know about it, I'm excited. And you're all gonna be uh, impacted by this. And I'd say, if there is a bull, grab him by the horns and ride him, okay? <laughs> so here's, kind of where my thinking's going I think we're going to have to evolve what we teach kids they used to have to figure out how to do all this math by hand, tedious you could spend hours solving the most simple problem in advanced mathematics, now you can do it with a calculator, bling, 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 there it is you have the answer and they say, but if you do that, you won't know how the calculator did it and they want to teach you how first, and that's fine. But at some point, if the calculator's on your watch and everywhere else, how does it matter how it did it? Yeah. It did it. But what matters is, do you know when to use it and how to use it? That's what's empowering you to change the world, to make it a different place. Well, how do you use artificial intelligence? How do you change the world in a positive way with it? And that's where something really interesting happens. A lot of people have used one of the the programs, GPS programs, to help you find your way to a location. So you put in the address and the computer tells you exactly how to drive there. Well, the reason that the computer can help you drive there is because they put in all of the addresses of all the buildings, all the houses, on all the streets and all the cities. It's stored there. And so when you say, where is this particular one? It can find it because it was put there. That's not thinking. Mm -mm. That is being programmed. That's storing information. That's what computers do. But deciding where you want to go, that's not stored. That's something that comes out of your intelligence. I personally don't think those little neurons shooting around your brain figure that out. I think whatever the higher level of thinking is in the human, in the human soul, whatever that is, that's where it comes from. That's intelligence. And that's the part that I don't think computers are even close to being able to do. Computers can look like they can do that, but they do it by remembering what other people have said and repeating it. But that doesn't mean they thunk it up. I mean that word. <laughs> I like they that. thunk it up. Thunk it up. <laughs> we thunk things up. <laughs> and because we can think, we're very, very, very unique. So now when you start thinking about these artificial intelligence machines, their boxes, their computers, there they are, and they're afraid that students are going to make them do their homework. But but back up a minute. What I'm thinking is, can we teach students how to get them to do the homework? What kind of creative thinking would we have to do to get this computer to write the essay we want? And that gets into a thing I'm gonna call cognitive
0: thinking. Mm.
1: We should be teaching students cognitive thinking. We've been trying to do that since the beginning of the And that's where they can really think for themselves. Show me a situation, throw a tough problem at me, and I will figure it out. Not because I've seen it done before, And I pull out, oh, I remember how someone did that. They did it like this. But because I'm able to think cognitively, creatively, and find a a way to do something that's never been done. And And that's what we do. That's what makes us special. So this is just like another tool. I can think what I think. And a pencil can write what I think, but a pencil's only writing what I think. Mm-hmm. Artificial intelligence computers can do things, but you've got to be able to put the cognitive thinking in them to get them to do it. And if we use AI that way, it's going to be wonderful. So they're saying, oh, we got to stop kids from cheating. They can't use these AI computers. To We only are having kids do writing assignments to try and get them to think cognitively. What if we had a tool that will tell us whether or not they're thinking cognitively by what it puts out? You really have to formulate an original thought and jam it into these computers to get something out. And it's, it's kind of strange how that works. Um, do you want to see a demonstration? Of
0: course I do. It's always, <laughs> <we go>?
1: always <laughs> terrifying to do things live. This is like
0: this
1: is science without a
0: net. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah.
1: The good like news that. is, my whenever <laughs> I miss the trapeze oh and go falling to the ground and there's no net, <laughs> Page saves us.
0: Right. Isn't that great? She's you. got wings. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> okay, so wings fire.
1: <laughs> let's just see what we can do. Okay. I would like to uh, feed some data into an artificial intelligence computer and see what kind of result we get. Now, we've done this a little bit, yeah. but today we're gonna go in much deeper. Well, how fun. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, now I'm gonna, first of all, start out by being someone that is not really thinking cognitively. That means I'm not being creative. I'm not really getting a, a nucleus of an idea and putting it in there to get a result. I'm gonna show you in a minute how you do a nucleus of an idea. But now, I'm just going to take a subject and jam it in there, okay? So um, here we go. Hydrogen.
2: Hydrogen is a chemical element with the symbol H and atomic number 1. It is the lightest and most abundant element in the universe, making up about 75% of its elemental mass. Hydrogen is also the most common element found in our sun and other stars. In its natural state, hydrogen is a colorless, odorless, and tasteless gas that is highly flammable.
1: Wow. I got that by saying hydrogen. Yeah. Hydrogen. Just imagine. But then again, all it was doing is recalling facts. Mm -hmm. It didn't really figure anything out. Let's try another one like that, <clears throat> about hydrogen.
2: Hydrogen is a highly versatile element with many unique properties and applications.
0: That's short
1: and sweet. All right. So it's going to take some cognitive thinking to get this beast to do some work. It's got all the information of all of the internet in there, and I have to get it out. But to get it out, you've got to think cognitively. So how are you going to do it? Let's try this. Imagine a safe way to store hydrogen on board a vehicle.
2: One of the main challenges of using hydrogen as a fuel source for vehicles is finding a safe and efficient way to store it on board. Hydrogen is a highly flammable gas, and storing it in a compressed form can be dangerous.
1: I gave it a problem, and it gave me what it's read. Mm -hmm. Nothing cognitive there. Hmm. Now let's start going in. Deep and ugly. (laughs) Okay? All right. (laughs) Ready? I built the first hydrogen car to eliminate pollution. It was the first H2 car in the world. I won the International Science Fair with my project. I went on to convert 23 cars for automotive companies and two buses. Hydrogen energy will save the planet.
2: In a world that is rapidly changing, sustainable energy sources have become increasingly vital to address the impending threat of climate change. One promising solution is hydrogen energy. Hydrogen is a clean and abundant energy source that can be used in various applications, including transportation, power generation, and industrial processes. Moreover, hydrogen does not emit harmful pollutants or greenhouse gases that contribute to global warming. This makes it a promising candidate for a sustainable future, and one that has already been tested with success. One pioneer in the field of hydrogen energy is a man who built the world's first hydrogen car with the goal of eliminating pollution from transportation. In fact, This person's dedication to the field led to winning the International Science Fair with the Hydrogen Car Project. This groundbreaking achievement was a significant step forward for hydrogen energy as it proved that it is a viable alternative to traditional gasoline-powered cars. Hydrogen-powered vehicles operate using fuel cells that convert hydrogen gas into electricity to power the vehicle. This process is incredibly efficient and results in zero emissions, making it an excellent option for reducing carbon emissions and improving air quality. However, despite its potential benefits, the widespread use of hydrogen fuel cell vehicles is still in the early stages of development. Following his initial success, the inventor went on to convert 23 cars for automotive companies and two buses, demonstrating the commercial viability of hydrogen energy and transportation. The conversion of these vehicles to run on hydrogen fuel cells shows that the technology is already available and can be easily integrated into existing vehicle fleets. Beyond transportation, hydrogen energy has the potential to revolutionize energy production, particularly in the area of renewable energy storage. For example, excess electricity generated from renewable energy sources such as solar or wind power can be used to produce hydrogen through the process of electrolysis. The hydrogen produced can then be stored and used later when energy demand is high, acting as a backup for renewable energy. In conclusion, hydrogen energy is a promising solution to address the pressing need for a sustainable future. The pioneering work of the inventor who built the first hydrogen car has paved the way for the development of hydrogen energy, which has the potential to transform the way we produce and consume energy. With continued investment and innovation, hydrogen energy could be the key to saving the planet from the harmful effects of climate change.
1: Flattery.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have the teacher the name of the inventor.
1: You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> It's interesting how all of that came out of the internet. Yeah. And all of that's there. And those things that it talked about are things that we've put there over the years, and Mm -hmm. it found them. And we brought it all together, all that information. But you need to have cognitive thinking. You notice that it talked about the problem of storage. Mm -hmm. How do you store hydrogen on board a vehicle? And that is a problem that needs to be solved. And to solve it, we need some, what kind of thinking? Cognitive thinking, thinking where it's original. It's not just looking up what someone did, but it's doing that amazing jump that real people do, that jumps to something that's never been seen before, that creative thinking, and that's really, what we want to train our students to be able to do. It will empower them in everything they take on in their lives. Now, after I built the car and won the science fair and several things, and I realized that for this hydrogen idea of mine to really become neat, I would need to solve the hydrogen storage problem. How do you store it safely and compactly and lightweight aboard the vehicle? And I tried compressed gas, liquid hydrogen, everything I could find. And eventually, I came to the idea of storing it as a powder, reacting it with a metal alloy and making what we call a metal hydride, and then pulling the gas back out and using that powder over and over and over again to store it. Let's see one more thing with AI. Let's try this. I wanna tie it to me and my work. I wanna pull it to that, so here we go. In 1974, I built the first vehicular metal hydride storage system. Explain how this system worked and why it was such a good idea.
2: In 1974, the inventor developed the first vehicular metal hydride storage system, which was a groundbreaking achievement in the field of hydrogen storage technology. The system worked by using metal hydrides, such as iron titanium hydride, to store hydrogen on board a vehicle. The metal hydride storage system worked on the principle of absorption and desorption. When hydrogen gas was pumped into the metal hydride storage vessel, the metal hydride absorbed the hydrogen atoms into its crystal lattice structure, forming a stable and safe metal hydride-hydrogen compound. When the vehicle's fuel cell required hydrogen to generate electricity, the metal hydride-hydrogen compound would be heated, releasing the stored hydrogen gas, which could then be used to power the vehicle. The metal hydride storage system was a significant improvement over earlier methods of hydrogen storage, such as compressed gas storage, which required high-pressure storage tanks and presented safety concerns. Metal hydrides offered a safer and more efficient means of storing hydrogen, as they could store a larger volume of hydrogen in a smaller space and at a lower pressure. Moreover, metal hydrides were non-toxic and non-flammable, making them ideal for use in automotive applications. Wow. That's got a
0: lot there.
1: So now I would like to explain something really important if you want to stay up on hydrogen energy. I do. Hydrogen, when it is combusted properly, creates energy, electricity, heat with no pollution. That makes it the perfect fuel. And you can associate water to make hydrogen, you get the water back when you burn it. It's a cycle. We'll never run out. The biggest problem, and the only reason that everybody isn't driving a hydrogen car, is because nobody has yet figured out a really good way to store hydrogen in the car. We can do it in big, high-pressure tanks. There are approximately, 100,000 hydrogen cars on the road today, but they're storing hydrogen in very very high pressures and compressed tanks Which give me the jitters mm. from a safety point of view and they also Consume a lot of energy to compress that hydrogen into those tanks. So I've been working on a better method. I Have a breakthrough in this regard and I have to qualify that I have a breakthrough paper. (laughs) Not to be confused with a working prototype. Not to be confused with something I can manufacture Mm. yet. Okay? Taking a technology through the steps of refinement, prototyping, and making it manufacturable is what inventioneers do. And I like to think that I am an inventioneer. Of course, I can say that because I helped coin the word. So, <laughs> yeah. but inventioners utilize the science and knowledge which is around us. We use our cognitive thinking ability to bring that technology into a role that will benefit mankind, and that's what I'm trying to do. I now, after 50 years of working on the hydrogen car. Have discovered on paper a hydrogen storage tank which is ten times better than I've ever been able to build before. If I can actually make it work I think you'll see hydrogen cars everywhere Mm -hmm. and I'm pretty excited about it. It is my current biggest research project. Artificial intelligence is a tool that we can use to gain a whole bunch of information. If you look at what happened, I did the cognitive thinking to trigger it, and then it went out and found all the information that's out there on the internet about the subject and organized it for me in a nice form so I could understand it and program my computer and even communicate with others. That's what AI does. You can use it to make videos, you can use it to make drawings, you can use it to make music. But all of those things are based on the originality of the cognitive thinking of real people. Now, I don't want to hurt R51's feelings. <laughs> He's really nice. But real people, the power of intelligence, human intelligence, is the, the thing that really gets me excited. And you have it. That's why we do the science fair. So that you can practice your cognitive thinking. Pick out a project, problem, a problem that you want to solve. And maybe the problem is just understanding something. That's a problem. I don't know how it works. Some of you don't quite understand why the sky is blue. We talked about it. There's actually about five scientific principles you really need to understand to get to the bottom of that. And I thought, well, let's talk about it for five weeks and we'll say more. (laughs) But it's really interesting to understand why it's blue. But the fascinating thing is, because it's blue, you study it to find out. And when you find out how it works, then you have knowledge which you can use with your cognitive thinking tool to create new things that we've never had before. And that's, that's why I love science so much. That's why I love inventioneering, which is the science of putting science to work to make our world better.
0: It's really neat.
1: Do you really like neon pink? <laughs> I do. All right, well, I don't think my, my namesake is ever going to be able to convert the skies to neon pink. But here's the deal. He is going to make beautiful sunrises and sunsets in your color for you to enjoy. How's that?
0: I love it. <laughs> I love bubble of And there's things. a whole other reason
1: why those exist. Yeah. I, I don't want to hurt his little mechanical feelings, <laughs>
0: mechanical
1: but thoughts. those sunrises existed long before him, long before there <laughs> were those buildings. So, knowledge is a precious commodity. And with artificial intelligence, the world is going to accelerate. The people that learn how to use it are going to do things that they never knew they could do before. I have already made changes in my life plan of what I would like to accomplish and how I want to accomplish it because I now have this new tool Mm -hmm. to help me. I've been doing blogs sporadically. You know, I try and get a nice blog out every six
0: months.
1: (laughs) Now I'm going to do three blogs and I'm gonna try and do them weekly because I can do them with the help of these new tools. And they will still be my original cognitive thinking i'm going to take things from science live which i cognitively worked out and i'm going to generate them into blogs and eventually into a science live book because some have requested it and it's going to be full of beautiful pictures and it's going to help people understand the beauties of nature of science and thereby be empowered to achieve their own life missions. Study hard. It's going to make a difference in your life. And uh, watch out for people like Peje. You get the last word.
0: They just wanted me.
1: Are you sure?
0: I hope they just wanted me.
1: (laughs) She's an original. I'm an original. Uh Or is she? See you next time.